Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. This is Luke 1, 39-56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Thank you so much for reading that. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Come on. That was brilliant. Um, Good morning, everyone. It's such a joy to be with you this morning. And um, it is the final Sunday of Advent, which means that this time next week, it is Christmas Day. Is there anyone else like, oh my goodness, I have so much to do still? Because that is definitely me. So if you right now are sort of on your phone pretending to studiously be studying the Bible app to follow along with the scripture, but really you're studiously tracking your Amazon parcels and trying to find those last minute gifts, I get it. (laughs) I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge from here. I still have... um, I'd probably say 95% of my Christmas shopping today. That's a little stressful, because it's one week to Christmas, but here we are. Here we are, and this week is mad, isn't it? Like this week that we're all about to step into. It is mad. And I want to say fair play to you for being here this morning, to choose to be here with us this morning and to to take this moment before the flurry, the family, the food, the frenzy, the excitement, the ups and downs that are Christmas week. And to just take this moment to be together as a church family and to pause on our last Sunday of Advent, to breathe deeply for just a moment. And to try this morning to be deeply present to the reality of the greatest story ever told. 
and the greatest event to occur in human history, the birth of a baby who is God. A God who comes as a baby in order to meet us in our present. Or as someone once said, a thousand times in history, a baby has become a king. And we watched one do that this year, didn't we? As we watched King Charles III ascend and take the throne and become king of this country, this nation. A thousand times in history, a baby has eventually become a king, but only once in history did a king become a baby. And this baby has changed everything. And so I want us to just make space before we rush into the beautiful, chaotic, final week of Christmas, space for wonder this morning. And I want us to think together about this moment that was so beautifully read for us there, this moment shortly before the arrival of baby Jesus. So we find these characters in this story. We find Mary, the angel has already appeared to her and he has told her, you're going to have a baby. So she is now pregnant with Jesus. She's no doubt feeling incredibly overwhelmed, beginning to just try and process what is happening to her, what is happening inside of her body and all that is going to come. And with all of this going on, she chooses to go and spend some time with her cousin, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, we know, is also miraculously pregnant. Despite previously having been unable to have a child, God has miraculously now given her this pregnancy. And she is pregnant with a baby who is going to become John the Baptist, the one that goes ahead of Jesus and prepares the way for him. So that's the kind of the backdrop for this scripture that we've heard this morning. So it opens with Mary hurrying, rushing to Elizabeth's house. And, um, and Elizabeth and Mary have this incredible, extraordinary moment where they greet each other. These two powerhouse pregnant women, they greet each other. And little baby John jumps in Elizabeth's womb and she begins to start to prophesy. And then Mary begins to prophesy, and she speaks out this song, which later became known as the Magnificat. The Magnificat is one of the earliest, most significant hymns of the Christian church. It has inspired thousands of musical adaptations. And, and this incredibly profound moment between these two women before the babies arrive on the scene, before the flurry of Christmas week, if you like, they find themselves, like us, in this Advent moment, standing on the cusp of Christmas, the coming of all the promises. And in this Advent moment of expectation and excitement and anticipation, Mary and Elizabeth stop and breathe and wonder at all that is about to happen. And we're gifted with these incredible, lyrical, profound prophecies from these two very unlikely sources. This is quite um, niche, I know, but if you were at the 24-7 prayer gathering this year in Belfast, you'll know that I have a bit of a soft spot for a good meme about biblical womanhood. That's niche, but I love it. I love a good biblical womanhood meme. And ever since sharing that at the gathering, people text me them all the time. And I got a really, really good one added to my collection this month. 
And it's based on this passage that we've just read, and it says this. Every discussion of biblical womanhood should include the fact that in Luke 1, two pregnant women celebrate their new motherhood by passionately discussing the coming overthrow of every earthly empire. Come on, biblical women. I love that. But that is exactly what they do. They get together and they discuss the way that God is about to turn the world upside down. Everything about the way it operates, it has operated, is about to change. And actually, this really ties all back into the Revelation series that we've just done. The overthrowing, the the transformation, the destroying of the powers of this world, all of it is what Mary and Elizabeth, they stand and they begin to speak this out. He is humbling the proud and he is lifting up the humble. He's coming to fill the hungry and to overthrow every oppressive force that leaves people impoverished. He's about to step onto the stage of human history and put into motion this redemption plan of making all things new. And someone gets the nerve to come, on, come along and write a song that says, Mary, did you know? It's like, yeah, she knew quite a lot in this moment. This is a beautiful prophecy of what is about to happen and what is about to come. I was discussing this, um, this moment last year with our daughter, Thea, who was three at the time. And I said, Thea... You've got to understand, hon, what's so amazing about the nativity story. It's this beautiful reversal of the world's values, and it's the ultimate subversion and redefinition of power. And this sassy little three-year-old, she just eyeballs me kind of skeptically, and she goes, Mom, it's not power, it's power. (laughs) My Northern Irish soul died a little bit that day. (laughs) But it is, this is all about the redefinition of power as we know it. It's all about to change. And so we have these stunning pieces of dialogue from these two women. And what I want to hone in on today is I want to look at verse 46, where Mary says this, My soul glorifies the Lord. I want to ask you today, what does it mean for your soul to glorify the Lord? What does it mean for your soul to glorify anything? Well, the word translated as glorify here is the Greek word megaluno. Can you say that with me? Megaluno. And this word is translated by the KJV using several different English words, which include to enlarge, to make great, and to magnify. So this is where we get the term the Magnificat, if you've heard it referred to that. So megaluno means to enlarge, to give glory, to declare great, to magnify. So when Mary says, my soul megalunos the Lord, she's saying, my soul, the very essence, the very depth of who I am, it makes you bigger. It makes you greater, Lord. It gives you glory. She's saying, my soul is like a magnifying glass. And what it is magnifying, what it is enlarging and making greater is God. So as we pause today in this last Sunday of Advent, I want us to think about this question. 
What are you going to megaluno this Christmas? What are you going to magnify? What are you going to enlarge and make great in your life? I loved Joel last week at our carol service telling us all, get your magnifying glass out. But if your soul is a magnifying glass, what is it going to be honing in on? What is it going to be magnifying this week? See, the thing about a magnifying glass is that it's always magnifying. The question is simply, what is it focused on? What is it looking at? I want you to just take a moment and really think about that. This magnifying glass, it never gets switched off. It never runs out of batteries. And I think the same with our soul. The focus of your soul is always going to be magnifying and multiplying and making large something. What is it that you're enlarging in your life in this season? What are you magnifying in your soul? Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, Mary, in this moment when she says this, she is unmarried and pregnant. She is in the midst of, by any account, a crazy and overwhelming season. And, you know, I think that we could have completely understood it if in the midst of all of this, right, the angel showing up, an immaculate conception, her fiancé nearly ending things with her and then choosing to stay, and mourning sickness... Right? Because I'm thinking even immaculate conception, even immaculate pregnancies are going to come with a difficult first trimester. She's got all of this going on in her body, in her heart, in her mind. And I just think in the midst of all of it, I would totally get her turning that magnifying glass in on herself in this moment. Like my soul is magnifying all of this on her circumstances, on her feelings, on her body, on her fears. She could so easily have turned the magnifying glass onto fear, but instead, in the midst of all of it, she turns the magnifying glass to the only place where it truly belongs. And she lifts up her head, and with such guts and such faith, she says, my soul magnifies you. Not myself, not anything else about this moment. My soul chooses to make you its greatest focus, to make you the gaze of my heart and the worship of my body. And you know, I think that's her secret. I think that that is how she is able to manage her fear and all the chaos of this moment is that I think she turns it into faith by magnifying the Lord instead of her fear. What will you megaluno this Christmas? For some of us, we're going to be going off and spending time with family and friends who maybe don't know Jesus yet. What would it look like to lean into worship this Christmas, to, to magnify God so that when people look around at us, they get the chance to see him? You might be the only Jesus-focused magnifying glass that some of your family know. What an amazing opportunity. What will you megaluno this Christmas? Now, there's another instance of this term megaluno that's used in the New Testament, and it comes in Matthew 23, verse 5. And it's talking about the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day. And it says this, and this is Jesus talking. He says, everything they do is done for people to see, 
They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. Now that word phylacteries there is talking about these um, leather boxes that they had which contained the Hebrew text and they would wear it literally strapped to their forehead and strapped to their arm and they would wear it as a sign of their devotion to God and the tassels that he's talking about there would be um, tassels on the shawl like their prayer shawls which again were worn during prayer and worn to show their devotion to God. And Jesus uses the word megaluno there to say they megaluno the tassels on their prayer shawls. They literally make longer the tassels to try and convey the fact that they are praying more. These are status symbols, the box on the forehead, the, the tassels. They're not supposed to be, but in a culture where religiosity is so highly valued, it was like the longer the tassels, the longer the prayers, the greater the sense of status and honor. And what Jesus is saying is he's challenging the Pharisees because he says everything they do is done for people to see. So he says that when they lengthen these tassels, when they mag megaluna, when they magnify the tassels, they're doing this to show their greater levels of holiness. And Jesus says they're doing that to draw attention to themselves. In other words, the magnifying glass of their soul is focused on themselves instead of God. So in a culture where religiosity is the, the kind of the currency, if you like, of status and honor, he says they megaluno these garments, these status symbols, because when you look at them, that's what they see. Now, in our more secular culture... It's unlikely that we spend a lot of time walking around with bigger Bibles or like praying longer prayers. Those aren't, those aren't the things that are really going to get us noticed in our society today. But we have other cultural markers of self-importance, if we're honest, don't we? And maybe you want to have a think about what those might be. What is it in my life that if I'm honest, I want to megaluno, I want to enlarge and write big these things across my life so when someone looks at me, they see those. Maybe we megaluno our skills, our career, we kind of strap our CV to our forehead or our income or our relationship. Or maybe it's not the stuff that we want to megaluno, we want to write large for people to see. Maybe it's the stuff that if we're honest, actually, we just magnify and we overfocus on on the inside. Maybe it's the things that we really want that we don't yet have, the things that we're striving for, the relationship that we want or the career that we want or whatever it might be. Ultimately, whatever our soul is fixated on is the thing that we are worshiping. And what we worship is what we become. A magnifying glass will always magnify. It just depends what it's focused on. And the human soul will always worship. It just depends what it's focused on. Is my life magnifying and pointing to the great and glorious person of Christ this Christmas? Or if I'm honest, has it turned in on itself a little bit instead? Do I do things for other people to see? Or am I like Mary, just intent that when people look at me, they get to see God? 
In the Greek Orthodox Church, they give Mary the amazing title, the Theotokos, which translated literally means the God carrier. And, you know, as we head into Christmas week, what would it look like for you to be a God carrier for the people around you? You know, as we just did that Chris Dingle moment and all the kids have got their little lights and I find that so powerful. Like even little Noah, our one-year-old, who's like waving it. Even that makes a difference when the lights go off. And Jesus says, you know, the world is a dark place. And I don't need to tell you that. You've been out there. You know what it's like. The world is a dark place. But Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And we are the ones who are called and commissioned to carry that light out into the darkness, to be a person of peace in all the chaos, because the presence of God is within us, and that's what we magnify, to refuse to enter into, you know, all the competitive catch-up chats, to refuse to enter into the chaos of disputes, but instead to turn the magnifying glass of our soul again and again and again back to heaven. So how can we posture ourselves to magnify God this Christmas? I have three very quick suggestions based on Mary. And the first is this, choose joy. Mary, in verse 47, she says, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And when the angels come to announce Jesus' birth a few months later, they say, we have good news of great joy for all people. The gospel message is good news of great joy. We can have joy because we can know this Christmas that we are fully saved, fully redeemed, fully made new because of this man Jesus and what he has done for us. And this joy is not dependent on our circumstances. You know, this Christmas, it's going to be a profoundly challenging one for loads of us in this room. But the joy that heaven offers is one that we can access no matter what surrounds us. The theologian Tozer says this, The joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the distress of the cross. Therefore, it is invincible and irrefutable. Do you need joy this Christmas? How about the invincible, irrefutable kind? Choose joy. And you know, I think that word rejoice can sound really religious. Because who says that in any other context, right? Oh, they, Manchester United won the football and I rejoiced. Like we don't really say it. And also they don't really win is what I hear. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to pick on them. They're just the only team I actually know the name of right in this moment. But we don't really set, like rejoice just sounds a little bit abstract and a little bit religious. And I think that takes away the power of it. Because actually rejoicing is this thing that is, it's it's about accessing joy in all of the little moments in our life. It isn't just like loving the worship in church or really enjoying our quiet time in the morning. It's, it's choosing joy and seeing God consistently and constantly as we move through our day. It's noticing his goodness all around us. You know, as you sip that first coffee of the day, 
and or you take a really, really, really beautiful walk or you listen to an amazing song, whatever it might be, it's choosing to not just be in those moments, but to, to see joy in those moments, to see the creator behind and within those things. We, um, we had our very first this year, our very first school nativity to go to. I know. And it was by heart. I mean, I cried. I'm a cry. I definitely am a crier in these moments, it turns out. It was so cute. And school said to us, you know, there's going to be two performances across two days. So you can book your tickets. And I said to Adam, Should we, um, do you want to go on the Tuesday or the Thursday? And he said, can we go to both? <laughs> And I said, that's why I married you. Yes, we can, and we will. So we're there, you know, front row at both of these. And, and it's just this beautiful, adorable thing. Maybe some of you have been to, like, eight of these by now, and you're like, yeah, no. no, no, thank you. You can go to my child's nativity. And I will, and I will cry. But we're there, and it's this gorgeous moment, and it's chaos, and someone's crying, and someone's shouting, and someone doesn't know their line. But in it all, you know, Thea's doing her thing, and she's got this cute little dance move, and she's doing it. But every now and then, she, she like, looks out into the audience, and she's looking, and she's scanning, and then finally, she catches my eye. Sorry, Atelier, I'm catching your eye. <laughs> That's weird, but here, we're in it. We're, we're going this at the moment. And she catches my eye. And it is, and if you're a parent in this room and you've had that moment, it's just that pure, unadulterated joy, isn't it? Of like, Mom, I've spotted you, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm loving it, and I've spotted you. And for me, it's that joy of like, wow, you're doing your thing, and you're so busy, but, but you've spotted me. And we get this moment, and she's like blowing kisses, and it's just joy. That's the only word for that moment. But and I forgive me because I couldn't think of a better way of trying to express this. But I do think that there's something that happens in heaven when we are going through the motions of our everyday lives and doing all of our everyday things. But when we stop and we look beyond that moment and we say, wow, this coffee, or, wow, that song, or look at that tree. And we don't just carry on, but we look, we look out and we scan the faces and we see the eyes of our Father God and we say, Thank you for this. I think there's joy in that. I think that rejoice, my soul rejoices in the Lord is so much more than like open my Bible and this is great. It is that, absolutely. But to rejoice in the Lord, to find joy in the everyday moments of our lives, I think we want to choose joy this Christmas. Second, choose to remember Mary says in verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. And you know, the Bible is literally filled over and over and over again with this, the, like the refrain, remember what God has done for you. Forget not all his benefits. Remember him when you lie down in your bed at night. Time and time again, it talks about this idea of remembrance, which I think just tells me that we're really prone to forget. My friend Carla, who is one of my colleagues at 24-7 Prayer, we've worked together for years. She's one of the senior leaders in an international prayer movement. Like She gets prayer, thanking God, all of it. She gets all of it. And yet she said she found herself recently in a small group context, or a collective, um, to use our language, and she's sitting there with her collective and someone's and they're talking about prayer, and someone says, "Has anyone got an answer to prayer in this room?" 
And she said, everyone went really quiet for a couple of moments. Like, oh, I'm sure I do, but I can't. And she said even her, like she, you know, she's like running a prayer movement, talking about prayer and the power of prayer all the time. But it took her a minute. And then finally she went, oh, yeah, my, my baby is an answer to prayer. Like we couldn't have kids. We were told we couldn't have kids. And then we prayed and we fasted and we went on this journey. And God gave us Eloise. And I'd, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> And then someone else said, oh, that, that reminds me, actually, when, when, when our kid was three and he was sick and we prayed and he got better. And suddenly, all around the room, people are like, oh, yeah, God did this for me. God did this. And, but we're, so, we're just so prone to forget. Remembrance is so important. And what happens when we remember and we name those things and we say, this is what God did and this is what God did, it actually raises our faith for what he's going to do. Right, remembering the testimony of the past gives us faith for the future. So choose to remember this season, what God has done. Maybe it's time to build our faith, build our hope back up again. Like we've all taken a lot of knocks over the past few years. Maybe it's time to look back and revive our faith a little bit for the future. And finally, choose wonder. In the following chapter, after baby Jesus has been born and the wise men and the shepherds pay their visits, we get this beautiful verse. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. But this is crucial, and I want you to hear this this morning. Right before this verse, it says this, all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it were amazed. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. All were amazed. The birth of Christ is amazing, right? When we look at this story, when we we experience this story of the person of Christ, when we think about it this morning, we look at it and we think, wow, this is amazing. But Mary moves beyond that moment of amazement and she chooses to stay in it. Right? She chooses to, to store it up and to ponder so she doesn't move past the amazement. She actually stays in that place of wonder. All of us here right now, we might be amazed, you know, remembering the Christmas story again, singing the carols. But I want to be someone who doesn't move past that amazement. Right? I want to stay in that. I want to ponder it, that this God-man born in a stable to redeem mankind. I want to not just be amazed, but to ponder and to wonder. And I think if we want to megaluno Christ this Christmas, if we want to make him large in our soul and in our lives, we need to be those who don't move past the amazement of this moment. Don't just rush back into the busyness of the season But like Mary, choose to ponder, choose to make space for wonder, to meditate on Christ and his beauty in this season. Tozer again said this, every time you think of the incarnation, you should bow your head for a moment. What would it look like to pause, to make space for wonder, to make Christ large in your life this Christmas season. So we're going to pray. I don't know if the band are going to, yeah, they're going to come back. Fab. Um, And um, I'm just going to pray for us. I wonder if we could get to our feet just as the band are coming. 
Um, and I want to just, I want to offer a prayer for each one of us. I realize we are on the cusp of Christmas and whatever this week is going to hold for you, I want to really just pray that, that word over you today, that your soul might magnify Christ in all of this. And I've got a prayer that I'd like to, to pray over you as well, which is written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian. Um, but if, I just want to take just two minutes, and if you're here right now, and as you stand at the cusp of Christmas, and you just feel that sense in your heart that's like, yeah, I'm amazed, but if I'm honest, I know I get past that quite quickly, and I know I forget him, and I know I go into the rush and the craziness, but I want to do Christmas differently this year. I want to move into this season in a different spirit. What I want to do is just take a moment and specifically pray for that right now. So if that's you, just put your hands out in front of you, just as that posture of like receiving a gift. And I'm going to pray that Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you that you are beautiful beyond comprehension. Lord, that the wonder of you is something that we will spend an eternity unpacking. And I want to pray right now for each of these open hands and open hearts. Lord Jesus, would you come, Spirit of God, would you come into each of these lives and amaze and give them wonder all over again. Lord, we want this season to be different. We want this season to be richer, to be deeper, and to be more full than ever of you and your presence. And so I pray right now for the gift of faith. I pray right now for the gift of wonder and worship. Lord, may this be a Christmas of worship. And I pray for those of us who are worried, like on the cusp of time with family or whatever it might be, whatever our worries are this Christmas season, Lord, I pray that you would help us to just lift our eyes once again, to lift our eyes and magnify you. I pray for peace over fear. I pray for joy over sadness. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give that rich deep, irrefutable, invincible joy this Christmas. Just pour it out. Even now we pray. Pour it out, Lord Jesus, as we turn our eyes to you once again and we say we are going to choose you and we're going to choose joy this Christmas. And I'm going to close with this word from Bonhoeffer. Look up, you whose gaze is fixed on this earth who are spellbound by the little events and changes on the face of the earth. Look up to these words. You who have turned away from heaven disappointed, look up. You whose eyes are heavy with tears and who are heavy and who are crying over the fact that the earth has gracelessly torn us away, look up. You who burdened with guilt cannot lift your eyes. Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Something different from what you see daily will happen. Just be aware. Be watchful. Wait just another short moment. Wait and something quite new will break over you. God will come. Amen.